All right. Come on, everybody. How we doing? You happy to be in church today? Does it feel good to be in church? Awesome. And I'm going to ask you to do that one more time. I just want to remind everybody who's watching online at home today. Uh, I know it's, it's more difficult than ever, especially if you're staying home because you have kids and we don't have child care yet, or uh, maybe you have family circumstances or you're high risk or somebody in your household is high risk to, to go out and be in groups. And we certainly understand all of that. And Sometimes it can just feel like maybe you're not as connected and you don't matter as much. And I'm going to spend the entire message today helping us get connected to each other. But I just want to remind you, you matter just as much as the people who are in this room. You're every bit a part of the church just as much as those of us who are here gathering in person. And would you all help me just show a little bit of love to people who are watching online today? Can we just, so glad that you're there. Awesome. Y'all feeling good? You well caffeinated today? You excited to be in God's house, and come on, how many know that one of the secret ingredients to a good church experience is coffee? Like, I think Jesus said that. They just forgot to record it. Like, the, 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 the guys forgot to write it down uh, whenever he said it, but I, I'm pretty sure he, he would have said that. Um, well, I'm, <laughs> I have an agenda today, and I don't normally preach with an agenda uh, other than just to try to deliver what the Holy Spirit puts on my heart. Uh, he, he gave me something, but there's an agenda that goes with it today. Uh, as we get ready to launch next week our fall small group semester. And it is harder than ever for us to do small groups and to do them well, but we need them more than ever because uh, as isolation increases in our lives, so does a lot of other bad stuff, all right? So my agenda today, I'm just giving you warning right now so that you can pretend you've got an upset stomach or something if you want to leave. My, my agenda, my agenda right, uh, right from the top is to get you to really seriously think about engaging in a small group this semester. And there are a handful of you who are watching online or who may be in the auditorium who you are previous small group leaders who have not fully committed, and I get it, like you're tired of doing Zoom and video chats and all that kind of stuff, there's a little bit of fatigue that comes with that, uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to push through that because we need each other, and, and so I'm going to dedicate the whole message today uh, to that topic and, and use the words of Jesus to try to convince you of it. Before I do that though, a uh, couple things that I want to uh, uh, make you aware of, and one is that Life Track is happening right now. So if you came today and your plan was to attend Life Track. Get out of here, all right? Go ahead and stand up and, and head out of the auditorium. Go to the very last door on the left. And we haven't done this since March, which is why I totally forgot to dismiss Life Track at the end of worship. That's what I'm supposed to do and, uh, and, and didn't even remember to do it. So Life Track is beginning in person in this 10 a.m. service for the first time since March in our Life Track room, which is at the very end of the lobby. And so, so thrilled that we have a handful of people who are in there right now. And it's all new teaching, all new content that we, that we retaped. Uh, but we also today are offering for the very first time ever an option to attend LifeTrack online. And that'll have live chat moderators that they're there to answer questions. And in fact, I'm going to pop in there tonight and say hello to anyone who does LifeTrack this evening. And that's at 6 o'clock tonight, truelife.church forward slash LifeTrack. Listen, we've tried to do everything we possibly can to make sure we don't miss any details and to make this work well. Uh, I'm just asking for a little bit of grace because we're probably going to learn that there's some things that we didn't see coming or that we missed. But um, you can do Life Track online tonight from the comfort of your home. It'll last, a, I think, right around 45 minutes for this first session. And week one of Life Track 
is, is where we try to give people enough information to decide whether or not this should be their church home, all right? So we don't do membership over 12 weeks. We do membership over 45 minutes because we, we really think it all comes down to the vision that God gave us and how we lead the church. And so I share that in step one and how our church works and why we do it the way we do. And hopefully by the end of that first session, you can decide whether or not this should be your church. If it is, LifeTrack continues for three more weeks, which are all about you finding your design, your unique giftings from God, your unique calling on your life, how to expand your influence, and then how to get on a team and make a difference, because we think that's the pinnacle of Christian living, is when your life becomes about something bigger than yourself. And everybody who's experiencing that would say, amen. amen. All right, so uh, jump in there if you haven't had a chance to be a part of that, or if if you're kicking the tires and trying to decide, should this be my home church, that'll be a great opportunity for you to do that this evening. All right, now I want to talk specifically to people who are watching online right now, and, and those of you who are in the room, maybe you end up, maybe you're alternating, maybe you're doing some church online, so you could do this in a future week. But right now, in the chat and on Facebook and on YouTube, our moderators are posting a link to a survey. And we're asking those of you who are watching online today to click that link and just answer five quick questions. We just want to know how we're doing and whether or not this online church experience is as excellent as it could be. Uh, we want to know if you're feeling connected and welcomed and like you're really getting to be a part of things. We know it's not going to be the same as being in person, but we want to make it as excellent for you as we possibly can. You would really help us out with some information by clicking that link and doing the survey for us. All right, let's get into what my agenda is, all right, which is to convince you that you need people in your life. You need community. In fact, the title of the message today is just simply community. And I'm gonna try to make the case today that, that in his final conversation on planet Earth, Jesus made the case for community and, and tried to convince us that we need relationships with, with each other. Your, your Christian walk, your faith, is really dependent on, I call, I call it three levels of relationships. So you need a relationship with your Heavenly Father. That's where everything starts. Can I hear an amen? You also need a relationship with God's people. And you need some relationships with people who aren't God's people yet. So you need, you need all three for, for, for your walk to develop the way God wants it to. And today I really want to focus on that, that central layer, which is your relationship with God's people. The, it's the church. The church is not this building. The church is just God's people. Anytime we're together, we're, we're the church. In fact, I could make the argument for you that what happens in small groups when we gather in people's homes and or right now even Zoom calls is, is a lot more biblical than the emphasis we put on the weekend gathering. Um, the weekend gathering is great, and it's built on a model that's in the Bible. I don't know if you know this, but in, in the New Testament of your Bible, the New Testament church had had two ways that they gathered. They would, they would do t temple worship, so they would come together once a week to, to worship corporately and, and to learn and listen to teaching, but they would also, the Bible says there was temple worship, but there was house-to-house -house ministry. And so the, the church would gather um, a lot of times to eat together. Come on, how many know that where there is food, there is Jesus? Can I hear an amen? All right, so no, they, would, they, would gather, they would gather together in house-to-house -house ministry care for one another, share with each other, pray for each other. And, and so I want to try to make the case for you that, that the Bible actually has a lot to say about that, and it's incredibly important to your spiritual development and your spiritual health that you, that you have that. And, and, um, and in fact, a lot of people think the Bible is, is all about you not sinning anymore and trying to get you to stop sinning and trying to get you to make better choices. But I would submit to you, it actually is not just about that. 
In fact, I think one of the best ways you can stop sinning is to have healthy relationships with God's people. And, and so much so that, did you, watch this. This is the first thing in your notes if you're using our app to follow along this morning or if you want to put it in your phone or, or take pictures of the screen. I know a lot of people do that, which is totally fine. Whatever works for you. Did, did you know that the first problem in your Bible was not sin? It's not the first issue that, sh- that showed up. The first issue in your Bible was isolation. So God, God created all this stuff. He created the planet. He, he created the Garden of Eden. And he puts Adam in it. And he looks down and he says, the Lord God said, it is, it's not good for this dude to be by himself. He, he, needs, he needs some relationship. There, there's got to be someone else besides just him. It's not good for him to be by himself. Now, I'm going to help all of you feel a little bit better about yourselves this morning uh, by admitting something that happened to me not more than an hour ago uh, as I get ready to go to this next slide, which is from the book of Ecclesiastes. And right at this point during our first service, my brain just turned to liquid. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. And I, was, I really wanted to tell everybody who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And I couldn't figure it out. Like, I forgot. And I'm, so I'm like, it's Saul, Saul. It's not Saul, because Saul's new. T- and then somebody sitting down here was like, Solomon. I'm like, yes, thank you. So come on, y'all. Anytime you've ever felt like, I really should know. Th- come on, your pastor forgets the author of books in the Bible. So come on, y'all feel a little better about yourselves now? Do you? I don't, but I'm glad you do. All right. <laughs> Solomon is writing in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8, and he's actually speaking about himself like in the third person here. So he says, there was a man all alone. He says, I was alone. That's what he's saying. He's talking about himself. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And Solomon had more than anyone ever. I mean, he just, wealth on top, he was famous for his wealth. And, and, he, and he, he gathered and he accomplished and he accumulated And he said, look, it didn't matter because I was all by myself. In fact, Solomon was so desperate to get out of his isolation, the dude ends up marrying more than a thousand women. Like, how many think not the best strategy, Solomon? Like, come on, married people, isn't one of those relationships enough work? You really wanna, you really wanna try to do a thousand? Like, come on, Solomon. I don't know, but that really is out of that, I believe, out of that desire for intimacy and relationship that Solomon just kept trying to to create that. And so what what I'm trying to convince you of today is this idea that we need community, that we need each other. In fact, those of you who are watching online, I know it's gonna feel a little awkward to do this, but I want you to participate with us. You guys here in the auditorium, I want you just to repeat after me. Just say, we need... Come on, you gotta, no, you gotta say it like, like you're at church. Come on, say, we need each other. And we do. We need each other. We need, we need healthy, life-giving relationships with each other. And I think Jesus models this for us in his final conversation before he leaves planet Earth. Uh, in, in your New Testament, the beginning of the New Testament in your Bible, there are four books that begin the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the Gospels. And, and those four books tell the story of the life of Jesus on planet Earth from the perspective of each of those four authors, writers. The first three are in, in theology classes, what we call the synoptic gospels, which really means they just, they have a lot in common. They almost say the same thing, 
with slightly different perspectives and variations during the first three. But, but John is not a synoptic. John, in some areas, gives us much more detail than the other three books do. And in the final conversation before Jesus leaves planet Earth, he is gathering with his disciples for what's called the, the Feast of Passover. And so really what they're doing is they're, it's where we now get the, the sacrament or the tradition of communion that we, that we take together as a church. Which, by the way, I know all of you are missing, and I am too, during this pandemic. Um, I'm trying to figure out the best way for us to do that because we're not technically supposed to pass things out or give you food or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, but obviously this is very important to our faith. And so I'm not sure how we're going to do it, but I do promise we are going to figure out a way for us to have communion together. We may just, we may just send out a, a mass email to everybody and just be like, hey, bring your own loaf of bread and a bottle of grape juice this morning. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how, we'll, how we'll do that, but we are going to find a way uh, to have communion together. So Jesus is with his disciples. They're gathering to have this, this meal together, and it's their last conversation they don't all know that at the time, but it's the last conversation they're going to have before Jesus is arrested and this whole process that eventually leads him to the cross. And, um, and so as they, as they come in together in Jewish tradition, if you were coming to a meal at someone's house, if you were coming to gather, traditionally there would be a person who had the job, the role of, as you arrived, uh, you, would, you would step in and there would be somebody there who meets you with a towel and a basin of water uh, to wash your feet. Because they didn't, they didn't have shoes like, like we have today. In fact, you may even just be, be barefoot a lot of times. And so the feet, at, at this time in Jewish history and in Jewish culture, in really world history, the feet are, are not a like super clean, uh, beautiful part of the body. I mean, they're just, they're just, I mean, come on, how many know feet are still not a, a beautiful part of the body? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's somebody's job to get down in the, the, the cracked, broken, dirty, smelly part of you and clean it up before you enter the room to have fellowship with other people. And usually this job was assigned to someone who was very low on the social status scale. So this would be a servant, uh, somebody who's not viewed as important at all. And these guys, so the disciples show up for their time with Jesus, to have this meal with Jesus. And as they come in and get ready to have a meal together, Jesus picks up a towel and a basin, and he goes and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. He begins to get into the messy, dirty, smelly areas and and clean the feet of, of his disciples I don't know about you, but that just, that's such a beautiful picture to me. I'm so thankful that I serve a God who's not afraid of the smelly, ugly parts of my life. Y'all with me? And he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And, and in what I think is a great picture of a lot of our relationships with God, Peter, <laughs> he says, uh-uh, no. Jesus, you're not going there. You are never going to wash my feet which I think is a, a, a great picture of what a lot of us have when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. We, a lot of us, we, we're like, Jesus, I'll take salvation. I'll take forgiveness of my sin. Give, give me all of that, God. I want all of that. I like the idea of heaven. I like the idea of grace and mercy. I'll take some healing and some blessing and some favor. But there's some areas in my life, Jesus, that you don't get to go. You don't get to touch these areas of my life. That, you know, I'm not... You're, 
It's, it's too ugly for you to see, God. I'd be embarrassed to have you come into that part of my life. How many know he already sees it anyway? He, he already knows what's there anyway. But we, we do this. We put these boundaries, and we put these boundaries up with even God's people sometimes. We just, like, like I'll take salvation, I'll take Christianity, but you're not going there, God. You're not, you're, you're not gonna get into that part of my life. And Jesus responds to Peter and says, hey, unless I wash you, we're not, going to be able to do, we're not going to be able to have this relationship. Like, this thing isn't going to work. Now, remember, he's saying this to the guy who was the first one to admit, like, you're the Messiah. You're God. And Jesus says, upon that rock, I'm going to, Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And now Jesus is telling him, hey, Peter, like, all of that's at risk if you won't let me deal with the, the unclean part of your life. He says, we, we, we're not going to be able to, to be together. And then where the Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us just a few paragraphs or a few sentences around this conversation, John gives us several chapters to help us understand the importance of this moment. How many think the last conversation Jesus has and the last prayer he prays are worth paying attention to? And so I'm going to take you through that today, and I'm going to show you how Jesus models for us that we need community. We need relationships with each other. In the context of our church right here today, the way I'm saying it is you need to be in a small group. Small group leaders, we need you to lead your small group, whether it's a Zoom call or using church facilities and, and spacing out with face masks on. I don't, I don't really care how we accomplish it. I'm just saying, like, it's that important. This is, it's a life or death kind of thing for us to have these kinds of relationships with people. And Jesus models some things that you and I need. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell it, from, from my perspective today, what I think Jesus teaches me uh, in, this, in these passages. And the first thing is, I think he says, I, I need some people who will care for me. I, I do. I need people who will care for me. And by care for me, that doesn't mean I need some people who will follow me around and pat me on the bottom and, and just check on my every little, are you okay? Just, you all right? Like, is there anything? No, no, that's not what care means. I, I want to put this in the context of what we would call pastoral care. You know, what, you know what it really means? It means like when there's a crisis in your life, somebody that you can count on who will be there for you. I need some people who, like when there's tragedy or when I'm feeling depressed or, or when there's brokenness in my life or, or when I've messed up really bad and I'm feeling the weight of those consequences, somebody who I can call and just say, help, I need help. Somebody who when you get a bad doctor's report or, or your marriage is going crazy or your kids are going crazy, somebody you can just say, I need some help. Will you help me? And I'm just telling you, like, that exists in the context of, of good, healthy, life-giving relationships in a local church. And it happens best in the context of small groups. And those of you who have experienced that would say, amen. amen. It's just it's the truth. And Jesus, he, he models this for us. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he asks them, do you understand what I just did? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because that's what I am. I'll, I'll, I'll teach you, I'll preach to you, I'll perform the miracles for you. He says, I'll, I'll do all of that. He said, but, but I need you to get this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I, I have set you an example. How many thankful that we serve a God who doesn't just tell us what to do, he shows us what to do. He models it for us. 
And he's saying, look, I've set this example for you that you should do as I have done for you. I need to set an example. I've set an example for you. That, that he's saying, like, like, look, guys, I need you to care for one another. When, th- when things aren't going well for one of you, I need you to step up and help each other. Solomon says it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work. Share the wealth. And if one falls, come on, how many would be like, I'd go to a small group if they share the wealth. You know what I'm saying? Like passing out $100 bills, you know? No? All right, okay. Share the work, share the wealth, and if one falls down, the other, everybody say it. Come on, if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, man, that's not good. This is not the way you were meant to live. I need people who will care for me. And, and I'm gonna, in each one of these, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to try to convince you that you need it, and then I'm going to tell you how, in, a, in the context of a group setting, how to participate in it, all right? Paul says in Romans that we need to rejoice with those who rejoice, and we need to mourn with those who mourn. He, he says it this way in Corinthians. He says, if, if one part suffers, we all do. Like, if you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're broken, I'm broken. If it's affecting your life, it's affecting my life. That's what the Bible is advocating for. So, so how do I participate in that? And here's the thing, man. I, I, know, I know all of you are going to get in a small group anyway. Like, you're going to go out of here today, and you're going to be so fired up for community in your life. I, I, just, I know I don't need to ask you to do that. I know you're already going to do it. Do you like that subtle message I'm giving you there this morning? I know you are. I know, I know you want God's best for your life. I know you're going to get in a group. I know you're going to have community with other people. I, I know that's going to happen. So I just want to help you. I want to instruct you on what to do when you're in that group context. And here's, here's how you participate in this care idea. You need to keep your group leader informed of care needs in your life. Like they need to know. Just tell them. Like, hey, I'm, deal- I'm dealing with something. Our, our church is, I can't believe it. Like we're closing in on 10 years old. I get, we got... Well, I, should, I guess I should worry about nine first, but in my mind, like, we've rounded the corner. We're almost there. Uh, and uh, one of the beautiful things that I've seen throughout the years in our church is people who take this seriously, who get in groups and who get on serve teams together. When crisis hits in their life, I've had, I've had multiple times where, like, I think, like, oh, this, there's something terrible happening. It's time for me to go be the pastor. I remember uh, a couple years into our church, we had a, a young lady who sings on our worship team, but she had a health scare. Turned out to be nothing to worry about, but at the time, like, it was scary. And so there was tests being run and all that. And so she's in the hospital, and so, like, I'm like, I'm the pastor. I got to go pray for her at the hospital. So I walk, into the, I walk into the hospital room, and the first thing she says to me is, what are you doing here? I was like, I was like, I'm just, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to care for you in the hospital. She goes, no, no, my small group's taking care of all that. They've been here and prayed for me. They've been to my house and washed dishes and fed my animals and made sure my cars got, like they, like they got me. I don't need you. I'm like, well, can I just like at least pray for you? Like, like multiple times this has happened to me. Just, just recently we had somebody in our church who had a tragic disaster that destroyed their, the place where they lived and. A lot of personal belongings gone, and 
by the time news got to me, like I was reaching out to some people on our team going, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Like, what do we do? And they're like, we already did all that, Pastor. Like we, like, we got it. I'm like, well, there's money available. And they're like, well, we don't need money. People already gave them their own personal. And I'm just like, this is awesome. This is wonderful. This is beautiful. This is what the church is supposed to look like. And this is a great opportunity for you to shout amen. It's just, it's incredible. And I love that. And but here's the thing, in this, like in this pandemic and how, how easy it's become for us to separate and isolate and get away from each other, it's easy for us to just kind of put things like being in a group and, and, and being intentional about community kind of on the back burner. And, and I'm just telling you, like, you need to put it more than ever. It needs to be on the front burner. Like, if you look at the numbers, as isolation has gone up in, during this pandemic, pretty much every other bad has gone up. Like pretty much every negative statistic that you can measure has increased over the last seven, eight months in our country. And I'm telling you, it's not political. It's, 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 it's actually spiritual is what it is. And it's connected to this. We need people that we're connected with. And I need some people who will care for me. You need some people who will care for you. I also need some people who will encourage me. I need some people who will remind me every once in a while, Michael, you got it pretty good. Like you get, to, you get to do what you've dreamed your whole life about doing and they actually give you a little bit of money to do it. Come on, y'all. Like some of you need to be reminded today, even in the midst of the stuff going on in your life, there's about probably three and a half billion people who would give almost anything to trade places with you. Do you know that? Like they, they would. You know, like, they wouldn't even think about it. They'd trade you lives just like that. And you need to be reminded. You need to, you need to be encouraged. And, and, and not only do I need to be encouraged, but I need to play the, be, play the part of encourager in some people's lives. Y'all with me? All right? And, and Jesus, he models this, and it's in the same conversation. He's saying, hey, guys, the world's going to be crazy. There's going to be a lot of trouble. There's going to be a lot of sorrow. There's going to be a lot of heartbreak. But don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm just encouraging you, trust in God and trust in, Jesus saying, trust in me. Like, I got it. It's going to be all right. I'm so thankful for some people in my life who when I get my eye off of the prize, when I get distracted by things that aren't going well or things that I don't like, I'm so thankful for some people who've picked up the phone or who've come and spent time with me and just reminded me like, hey, dude, you know he's got it, Right? You know Jesus has this. You know he's in charge. You know, you know he hasn't forgotten you. He's not ignoring you. He's looking out for you. And look, here's how often we should do this. Paul says, encourage one another how often? Daily. As long as it is called today. I like how he doubles up on that. Daily, as long as it's called today. I don't know what else we would call it, Paul. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words... When you, when you lose encouragement and when you're not encouraging other people, that's the, that's the place where your heart can grow, grow hard and cold. It's, it's a dangerous place to be. So I need people who will care for me. And I'm going to participate that, in that by having some, someone who I tell my needs, my care needs. I, I also need some people who will encourage me. And I'm going to participate in that by exchanging phone numbers and regularly checking on one another. So, listen, I know I don't need to convince you anymore to, to get in a small group. You're all going to do it. I just, I, I, I just trust that that's what's going to happen because I know you all want God's best for your life. And so when you get in your group, what I need you to do 
is be intentional about trading some phone numbers. And then check on each other. Like, hey, how you doing? And here's what's cool is when you get into this and you actually start taking it seriously, then the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside and partner with you. Like, like I have moments where out of the clear blue for no reason, I'll just, I'll just have a name in my heart or a name in my head. And I know what that means. It means I need to call that person. And I need just to encourage them. And, and I just need to let them know it's going to be all right. We, we all need that. We all need that in our lives. Then Jesus gives us another one. He says, look, you're also going to need, Michael, you need people who will partner with you. I do. I need people who will partner with me. I need people who understand they have a calling on their life and I've got a calling on my life and together we're small, but when we come together, we can become much bigger. How many know we can all get a lot more done together than any of us can by ourselves? So he says, you gotta gotta find some people who will will partner, where you can believe in each other and you'll you'll partner with each other. And he he tells us this in, in chapter 15, verse four and five. He says, I need you to remain in me and I'm gonna remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then I love how Jesus is like, just in case you didn't get the analogy, let me explain it to you. I am the vine, you, true life, your branches, each and every one of you. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But listen, like if you get separated from the vine, If you get separated from the larger organism, if you get separated from God and from God's people, you know what you're going to accomplish? Nothing. You're going to be like Solomon was, who says, I I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels. And that's why he eventually comes to the realization that two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. Two are better than one. Then one, Paul says this, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do, everybody say it, good works. Like you are, you are called to do stuff, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I need people who will care for me. Someone must share my needs. I need people who will encourage me. So I'm gonna trade some phone numbers and we're gonna encourage each other. And I need some people who will partner with me. And and so this one, this is harder than ever, actually, this one. So you're going to have to really be intentional about it. Now, I've got some conversations coming up with our outreach team, because normally we try to make this, this next thing I'm going to share with you easy on you. Like we have a, a special needs egg hunt in the spring, and we have serve day in the summer. And, and last year, we did this beautiful thing that we'd never done before called a Christmas shop. We called it the Giving Hope Christmas Shop, where we worked with local schools and organizations to identify families who were just having a tough season. They were in a tough spot, and Christmas wasn't going to be that good. So we brought their families here. We separated the kids from the parents. We had a meal where we treated them like heroes, and we let them know they were our heroes. And then they had, ahead of time, had an opportunity to give us a list of a couple items their kids would really like to have for Christmas. And, and we went and did the shopping. And then we set all of that stuff we, we had bags with those specific items. Then we had rooms full of clothes and toys and electronics and everything you could think of where then the, the parents got a chance to go shop for their kids to make sure Christmas was going to be fun and there was going to be stuff under the tree. And then we just said, no strings attached. We just want to bless you. And, um, and that's, that's, 
one of the things you need to do if you're going to partner with people is I want to encourage you to do a serve project together. And we're talking about can we do the Christmas shop in a COVID environment? Our outreach leader, Kristen, tells me she thinks we can, and I'm excited to hear the details. Come on, y'all. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to stop serving just because it's harder to serve. And, um, but I, you know what? Here's a crazy idea. What if you did another one? Like with your small group, what if you identified a need? What if you identified someone you could help? What if you identified a way to go make a tangible difference in the life of someone else? That's what should happen in a healthy group is we partner together to go make a difference in another person's life. I need people who will care for me. I need people who will encourage me. I need people who will partner with me. And I also need people who will protect me. I need people who will protect me. You need people who will protect you. Now, I'm not advocating for violence, but how many know it's nice to have a friend who would throw punches and ask questions later? You know what I'm saying? Like somebody's messing with you and they're just like, hey, you mess with them, you mess with me. Come on, y'all. Isn't that nice to have? Like they just, let's go. Let's go, baby. You need, you need, I need some people who will protect me, who will go to war with me, who, who will battle on my behalf. I also need some people who will protect me from myself. I need some people who will say to me, hey, Michael, your language has changed. You're not as nice as you were. I need some people who will say, hey, you're making some, some off-color jokes that you, you, I, I, you wouldn't have been as comfortable with that in the past. You're, you, you've become more coarse. You're, you're, your language has changed. What's going on in your heart, man? It seems like you're more carnal. It's like the flesh is a little bit too much in control. Like, I need that in my life, and you do too. That's why John 16, verse 1 says, all this I've told you so that you will not go astray. Like you need, you need some protection so that you won't mess up. And, and in fact, I actually misspoke in the first service. It's this word. This astray in the Greek, you know what it actually the Greek word turns into? That we, I, can't, I can't pronounce it, otherwise I would. The, the Greek word actually uh, turns into, it's the word that we get the word scandal from in the English language. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to need some relationships. I'm going to need you to take care of each other. I'm going to need you to look out for each other. I'm going to need you to protect each other so that your life doesn't turn into a scandal. Let me say it to you this way. You don't need to tell everybody, but you do need to have some people who have the right to ask you about the secrets in your life. You need a few because you're always as sick as your secret. And if you're the only one who knows your secret, you're in trouble. You are. I'm your pastor. I'm here to encourage you. My name is Michael. Thank you for coming to church today. <laughs> Solomon realized it. He said, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two, come on, if we get back to back, can stand back to back and conquer. I mean, if, I, if I'm fighting like this, I got a blind spot. But if Pastor Perry will jump up here and go back to back with me, come on, now you got to deal with two heavyweights. You know what I'm saying? Or a heavyweight and a, and a medium weight. I'm sorry, Pastor Perry. I didn't mean to insult you. Come on. And then he says, look, look. For three is even better. I think he'd, he'd have kept going if we let it. Four is even, five is even better. You, you, get, you get a bunch of people back to back. How many know we get, we get better coverage that way? We can see what's coming. We can look out for each other. We can protect each other. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. I need this. You need this. 
There's a guy in the Christian faith uh, in the history books by the name of John Wesley, great theologian. Uh, like all guys in our, our history books, not every decision they made was fantastic. Uh, but John Wesley is responsible for the birth of the Methodist church, the Methodist movement, which has really is very, very different today. I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I'm just saying it's different. Very different today from where it was when John Wesley founded the movement. And it's called the Methodist church because there was a method, the, the Methodist method. And you know what it really was? It was small groups. And it was predicated on this idea of people looking out for each other and protecting each other and encouraging other, each other in their faith. And they actually even had like a, there's a list of questions. And here's what the modern day version of that would look like. It would be somebody who, who can ask me and I, would say, and, and I would let them ask me, have you been in any compromising situations this week? Anything at all? Have, you, have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you viewed any sexually explicit material recently? I need, I need, I need I've got some people who ask me questions like this. And I've given them permission to ask me these questions. Have you spent quality time in Bible study and, and prayer? Have you given priority time to your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? And then here's the one that makes all these work. <laughs> Have you just lied to me? <laughs> so I was like, because like, <laughs> I, I would. Usually the first time I get asked the questions, I'm like, no, that's good. And you need somebody in your life who can lean in and go, okay, come on, man. Like, really? Because I'd, I'd have a hard time having the right answer to all of those. Like, you really want to tell me the truth now? And then you're like, okay, yeah, it was all those. I'm sorry. Like, because that's where we're at. And this is, you know why this is so important? Because in the context of healthy relationships, you can make the transition from religion to relationship. And Christianity stops being about trying to prove to everyone that you've got it all together. And it starts being about being real with the fact that you're flawed and broken. And guess what? So is everybody else. We all are. So here's how you participate in this. It doesn't need to be everybody, but you need a couple people where you'll ask each other the hard questions. You can find that in a group. You can find a couple people who, you know, as, as the small group's ending and you're kind of lingering because something's on your heart and then the group leader's going to go, what's up, you okay? You want to talk about it? No, I'm fine. No, really, what is it? No, nah, it's, it's nothing. And you need a group leader who's willing to say, honey, lock the door. They're not leaving until we figure this out. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then you, you ask each other the tough questions. And here's probably the most important one. Jesus models for us is I need people who will pray for me. Carlos, you can come on out. I need some people who will pray for me. And so do you. You need some people who will go to God on, on your behalf. And watch this. Now li listen, this is the final moments of Jesus' earthly ministry before the cross. And now we're back to where we started this series in July, in early July. And it's in this context that Jesus, he goes into the garden and he begins to pray. And he says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. And look, how many think we should pay attention to Jesus' final prayer? And Jesus says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. 
He didn't pray for the world. He could have. He could have prayed for every lost person. And, and he doesn't. What's he do? He, he prays for the disciples, and he prays for you and I. I pray for those you have given me. Paul says that prayer is essential in our ongoing warfare. We need to pray hard and pray long and pray for each other. Pray for each other. So, so Jesus, in his final moments, he says, God, I, I need them to come together. I need them to take care of each other. In fact, later in that same prayer, he says, it's the way we treat each other, the way we care for each other that's going to draw lost people to him. Because they're going to go, I need that. I don't have that. I need that. I need community. Paul says, like, do it a lot. Pray a lot. Because you got a lot of junk going on in your life. You know what? So is everybody else. So they need your prayers. And you need somebody else praying for you. So here's how you participate in that. Just, just go ahead and take your mask off in the, in the context of a group and, and share your prayer requests weekly and then actually cover each other and pray, like, like go to God with it. It's one of the reasons one of my favorite, all of our groups are awesome. And by the way, our small groups gather around just about anything. And we don't care what it is, as long as it's not sin. So if you want to have a motorcycle riding group, you can have a motorcycle riding group. I'm going to do a group with fathers and kids who play Fortnite together online. Right? Come on, Dan. Where you at? That's right. The, but the thing is not the thing. Somewhere in that, all of us dads and kids with our nerdy little headsets on, we're going to stop shooting at one another. <laughs> and we're going to say, hey, like, what's going on in your world right now, guys? How can we... How can we pray for you? How can we care for each other? What's going on? That, the, the thing just gives us a reason to gather. The real reason we're there is to connect with our Savior, to connect with Jesus. One of my favorite groups is our freedom groups because it's so intentional about this prayer thing. At every, I mean, like every single session ends with one-on-one -on -one prayer where you can pour your heart out and work through a process to leave your past in the past. Come on, how many would like to actually get free from all your old junk and your baggage? You need to get in a freedom group. It'll help you do that. Share your prayer requests weekly and then take it to God with each other. We need it. We need community. We need each other. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And whether you're in the auditorium here today or watching online or listening to a podcast later on, I just want to tell you, all this works best if you have the key relationship established first. And that's a relationship with Jesus. Then you can begin to flourish through your relationship with God's people. Maybe you haven't had that moment yet. In fact, as I'm talking about it right now, maybe something on your heart is inside your heart is saying, yeah, 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 that's you, that's you, that's you. And I just want to encourage you to respond to that right now right where you're at, whether you're sitting in here today or listening online at home or driving in your car or wherever you are, if there's that tug in your heart right now that says, I need Jesus, I just want you to respond to that by praying. And all you got to do is just go to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. I, I need you to save me. 
I believe you died on the cross and paid a penalty for my sin and my mistakes, my mistakes that I could never pay on my own. And I also believe that wasn't the end of it. Three days later, you rose from the dead and you're alive and well. And now you advocate for me. You advocate on my behalf. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. From this day on, my life belongs to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, there's a little button in our online chat that says, I raised my hand. For the rest of you, there's going to be a digital connection card that I'll talk about here in a couple minutes. But we'd love for you to just to let us know so that we can resource you and equip you and help you figure out what comes next. You're not joining our church. You're just beginning a relationship with Jesus. I'll talk to you about that connection card in a couple seconds. First, let me talk to every other person who's listening today, those who are already believers. I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you know where we're at. You know what's going on in our lives. I think there's some group leaders or some potential group leaders who are listening to this message today, and we've been on the fence. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would spur them into their calling with passion, that they would respond. I pray that Pastor Joel's email box would overflow today with small group leaders who are engaging. And I, I pray for our church. I pray for each and every person who's here today, God, that we would take those steps, that we'd be intentional to go create relationships. We need people who will care for us, encourage us, partner with us, protect us, and pray for us. So we're going to do it, God. Even if, even if it's unnerving at first, we're going to do it. We're going to get in relationship. We're going to get in a community because we need it. We need each other. And we thank you for the fruit that will come from that, the blessing we'll experience as a result of that. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you agree with it today, would you say amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet all across the room this morning? And I'm excited about next week. We've been in this Welcome Home series, which is really a bunch of standalones. Like there have been a couple that are back-to-back where that we time together, but it's really kind of just preached whatever was on our heart throughout this whole series. But next week, we're going to start a new series called Choose Joy. And uh, I'm just going to try to help you figure out how to keep joy alive in your heart when stuff in your world is going crazy. And then we'll follow that series up with uh, Don't Freak Out. This is going to sound like a controversial series title, but I just need you to trust me. Uh, through October into the first week of November, we're going to do a series called Vote for Jesus. And um, we're just going to talk about how you and I make a choice every day to vote for the kingdom. We put so much emphasis on these earthly moments. Come on, y'all with me? And so we're going to choose Jesus every day of our lives. And so really excited about where we're headed over the next couple months as a church. I do want to remind you, today's the first Sunday in September, so I always like to remind you on the first Sunday to bring your first to God, and those of you who call True Life home, your, your tithes, your offerings, and of course, we never put any pressure on you for that. We, I have this idea that I can just talk to God and God will talk to people, so I don't, I don't try to twist your arm or convince you to give. If you're a guest, actually, we don't even really want you to. We want you to view this service as a gift to you, and we're just, we're thankful that you're here and experiencing it with us, so... But to those of you who are faithful, especially during this pandemic, you guys have blown me away uh, with your generosity and your giving. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing us to continue to do excellent ministry and reach people and minister to people. Uh, you're, you're an incredible church to pastor, and I thank you for that. Let me, let me just pray one prayer of blessing over you, and then we're going to sing together before we go. And, um, and you guys who are watching online, even if you're here in person, if you need prayer, if you need counseling, if you're trying to figure out the small group, maybe the website and technology is not your thing and you're trying to find a small group, use that digital connection card. It's in the app. It's, there's a link being posted online right now. 
It's a great way to just let us know what you need from the church, and we will, we will make sure to follow up with you and, and get you what you need. Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every person who's here today. I pray your blessing over them as they go. As we head out into our week this week, God, I pray for our small group semester, which will launch next week. God, that you would, uh, you would just fill our hearts with passion for community and meaningful relationship with each other and help us find creative ways to do it in the midst of uh, a season in our world that's not what we're used to. And um, I pray for your blessing on our lives as, as we do that. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, we're going to sing one last time together. Let's give Jesus our very best praise before we go. God bless you guys.